there was one thing that was absolutely a thousand percent certain. We know what we saw, and it's been with me for 40 years. That is the voice of Deborah Eddingfield. She taught me in fourth grade and then again in sixth grade and remains one of my favorite teachers. To set the scene of the story she's about to tell you, we go south of Los Angeles to Riverside County, California. A lot of episodes of this podcast take place in Wyoming, where I live and where our family's from. However, Winchester, California had a lot in common with a lot of towns in Wyoming. It had a liquor store and a feed store, a bar, a church, an elementary school, and not a lot else. Winchester Elementary School even had an annual horse show where the countless kids who had horses were allowed to bring them to school and ride them around the track to show off to their classmates who didn't have horses. Point being, it was a very small town. Deborah Eddingfield takes us down one of the countless isolated roads outside of Winchester to her house on a remote hillside where she lived with her two daughters and her husband, who was in law enforcement. I was probably about 28 years old, and it was dark. It was in the spring, and we had no neighbors and no lights. There were no street lights of any kind, so we were out by ourselves on a hill, and we had a large amount of acreage. And this particular night, I'm going to guess it was probably about 9 o'clock at night, and I walked to the window to look out, and I saw something that at first glance I thought it was a farm implement. I realized that it was on the corner of our property. There were no trees out there, so it was a perfectly clear view. I would say it was approximately 200 yards from our house, and I realized that what I was looking at was something that was circular. There was nothing else that I could see because it was dark, and I could see red rectangular lights going around it. I think they were red and yellow, and the lights were pulsating, just continually pulsating. And I stood there and looked at it for quite a while because I could not make sense of what it was. So I called to my husband and I said, come here and look at this. I said, what is that? And he came to the window and he looked and we watched it for a while and there was no sound. There was no sound at all. We didn't go outside and stand on the deck. We just looked at it from inside the house and it just sat there quietly pulsating these yellow and red lights. And see, there were seven that I could count in this circular rotation and never heard a sound. And we watched it for a little while. And and then I walked into our bedroom and there's another window of a different view. And as I looked out that window, all of a sudden I saw two more of these, uh, whatever they were, sitting on the hillside next to us and I'd say these were probably 200 yards away and they just there were three total of three and they were all the same and they were all pulsating lights I don't recall feeling afraid I just recall wondering what it was and all of a sudden why two more appeared it was so surprising that we just didn't 
think about calling anybody. I didn't have fear until my husband came racing in and said, I'm going to get in the truck and get go down there. And I, that's when I said, stop. You know, he just wanted to, to kind of go see what was happening down there. And that's pretty normal for somebody who's in law enforcement. Policemen run to things. They don't run from them. I was worried, and we were the only people out there. There were no other people out there. I thought, you know, if something were to happen and you disappeared or you died or, you know, uh, I could never explain that to anyone. I thought there's no way I would ever be able to say, well, something was, you know, a flying saucer was in the yard and they took him away. I would be in a, a loony bin or maybe in jail, and what would have happened to my daughters? How would our lives have been totally destroyed by this? You know, and I said, please don't go. I said, I don't want you to go, because I had a feeling that we shouldn't do that. And he said, I want to go down there, because it wasn't far from the house. And I said, look, we live out here alone. There's no one around. I'm here, you know, we have just the kids, and I really begged him not to go. I said, just stay here. We, you know, let's just stay here. Don't look for trouble. So he didn't go, fortunately, and cannot tell you how long it was before I turned away, and then I went back to the window to look out, and they were gone. So I can't give you a timeline and say, we watched it for 20 minutes and then it lifted off and took off. I don't have a memory of any of that. I just know that I walked back and they were gone. So I never saw them come or go. And I didn't hear them come. I didn't hear them leave. They just were there and then they weren't there. The way to get to our house was a one-way dirt road. If they came in, they had to go out the way they came. You know, there wasn't any, any way that people could come and go out of there and do things like that without us seeing them. We went down the next morning to look around on the ground to see if we could see anything like, you know, burn marks or bare area or, you know, anything. And I couldn't recall that I saw any anything. I was hoping there was a, a, an area that was burned out or something because that would have made us feel like, yeah, see there, that was something. And if, if that had happened, Dean, I, we probably would have called like March Air Force Base or something to see what that might be or have them, but there wasn't anything. And I spent the rest of the time that I lived out there, which was several years, always looking for some kind of a farm farm equipment or farm implement that would have that same look to it to try to explain to me what what we had seen even though logically there was no way that that any farm equipment would have gotten up on the hillside next to us you know i've always wanted to know but i'll, I'll probably never know but uh it's okay i know <laughs> i know what we saw and i'm like I, i've said a few times I'm glad we both saw it because I, and he didn't go because I can't even begin to think what may have happened if he had. 
I wanted to express my sincere gratitude to Miss E for coming on the show and sharing this part of her life. I wanted to thank you for being a great teacher and a great human being. If you'll send me your mailing address, I want to send you a copy of the DVD Fire in the Sky, which is loosely based on Travis Walton's experience in which he and a bunch of other loggers had an encounter with something from another world that also had flashing lights. And because my sixth grade teacher was not there to say... Stop! And tell Travis not to approach the craft. He got out of the truck, was struck by a beam of light, his friends freaked out and left him there, and he was missing for several days. And just as Miss E was worried what happened to her if her husband did approach this thing by their house, the guys in the truck had no option but to tell police, look, Travis Walton is missing, and this is what happened to him, and it put him under a terrible amount of scrutiny that they probably had murdered Travis. Missy, I promise you that if I am ever driving on the remote roads of Wyoming or California or I'm in my house in Wyoming and see bright lights, I will watch it from the safe distance and comfort of my home or automobile. And I'm just going to count that as one more thing to grow on that you've taught me. For real, though, I appreciate the heck out of you, and I miss you, and I, I thank you again for everything you did for me and all the other kids. Please tune in next Monday, everybody, for our next episode. Thanks.